Abortion supporters and the leftist media are blowing a gasket over a new case that the Supreme Court has accepted. It's about abortion in Mississippi, but why is the left going absolutely mad about this right now, talking like it's the end of the world? You're going to want to stay tuned for this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where we have our own Claire Chrétien uh, in D.C. to talk about what is going on. And Claire Chrétien, welcome to the program. Thanks, John Henry. Thanks for having me on your show. So tell us what's going on. I mean, we hear of Supreme Courts taking up abortion decisions very often. You know, this has been in and out for years now in the U.S. What's so special about uh, this Mississippi case with the Supreme Court accepting it now? What sets this case apart from other cases over the past decade or so is that this case is actually about prohibiting, not just regulating abortion. So the cases that have been before the Supreme Court um, in the past, you know, five or ten years have basically been about things like should we make uh, abortion facility hallways uh, longer and, and wider so that a gurney can fit down them? Is it uh, okay for the state to say that abortionists need to have admitting privileges at a local hospital? But this case is about an actual prohibition on abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. So Roe v. Wade, the uh, Supreme Court decision that in 1973, along with its sister case, Doe v. Bolton, imposed abortion on demand across America, um, Roe v. Wade said that any pre-viability abortion, which at that time was around 28 weeks, is completely allowed. And after a baby is viable, after a baby can live outside the womb with medical attention, you can still have an abortion for the health of the mother. And of course, health is interpreted very broadly, so that can mean emotional health or financial health. But this case, if the Supreme, with, by taking this case, the Supreme Court has a chance to either modify, uphold, or completely strike down Roe v. Wade. And so if they, if, there are a number of different outcomes that could come from this. Obviously, the worst would just be if they uphold Roe and further sort of solidify this fake constitutional right to abortion. But they could also say that actually we know that an unborn child in the womb is a whole distinct living human being. Science shows this to us. We have way better technology than we did in 1973. These are human beings um, who, under the 14th Amendment, have the right to uh, equal justice under the law and the right to due process, and they're being denied that when they're killed through abortion. This case really is just a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade, and instead of just sort of chipping away at the fake right to abortion, this case is actually challenging whether there even is a right to basically an abortion at any time during pregnancy. Okay, so already, I mean, this is huge, and already the left is freaking out. We uh, watched as abortion leaders and the leftist media just went absolutely haywire. Here's the deal. The justices have agreed to take up a major abortion case next term that could test the limits of Roe v. Wade. It is really the court's first big move to try to reconsider abortion rights. Well, the stakes could not be any higher, Hallie. Um, again, this is a changed court 
And throughout the country over the last couple of years, as Donald Trump has added new appointees to the Supreme Court bench, there have been more and more aggressive laws seeking to restrict the right to choose an abortion. And many of them have been challenged to the Supreme Court as a bid to overturn and completely dismantle Roe versus Wade. And this is one of those challenges, and it is the one that the court has decided to take up. So on the court's docket going into the next term, will be this very fraught question of whether these continued protections for reproductive rights will be allowed to continue for women or whether they will be rolled back. And this- Melissa, fair to say that this is considered the fact that the court is taking this up at all could be considered um, a boost, if you will, to opponents of abortion? Oh, it is certainly a boost. I mean, this is exactly what the anti-choice movement has been seeking for the last few years. And again, um, much of this is because of the changed composition of the court. Um, It's not just that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a stalwart supporter of reproductive rights, has been replaced by Amy Coney Barrett. But the fact that there have actually been three new clear um, people who are skeptical of abortion rights who have been added to the court, Brett Kavanaugh, Justice Neil Gorsuch, and now, of course, Amy Coney Barrett. So what do you think of that, Claire? Well, as you can see, John Henry, they are terrified. Um, the, the panic is very real. And if you just look at these, some of the statements coming out from pro-abortion groups, if you look at the clip that we just saw, the abortion lobby is really scared. And it's, it's so interesting that this is happening right now because in, in so many ways, American culture has become even more degenerate than it has been in past years. We've got the transgenderism issue. We've got uh, so so much cultural decay, but at the same time, we've been able to pass these amazing state pro-life laws like heartbeat bills, or in this case, the Mississippi 15-week abortion ban. And in spite of all the cultural decay, this case has made it uh, up to the Supreme Court. And so, I mean, if Roe is overturned or in any way significantly gutted, the left will riot in the streets. It will not be pretty. Um, in- interestingly, NARAL, in their statement about the Supreme Court taking this case, claimed that trans and non-binary people would be impacted the most of all by this, which I'm not quite sure how that works. But it just, you know, it just shows that the abortion movement is desperate to grasp onto other cultural issues because they know that abortion is a losing issue for them and that they're, they're in their last, you know, they're on their last legs. Right. So let's spell this out. The best scenario is the striking down of of Roe v. Wade. What would happen in that scenario? That the court completely upholds the 15-week Mississippi abortion ban and says it's completely right for the state to be able to have this 15-week abortion ban. And the court says no law allowing the killing of an unborn human being is ever constitutional or acceptable in our society. And all laws allowing abortion are unconstitutional, regardless of whether that, whether it's abortion on a six-week-old baby or a 12-week-old or 15-week or 20-week, whatever. And then, and and say, you know, Roe, Roe was completely wrongly decided. The 15, Mississippi is in fact allowed to ban abortions at 15 weeks. And actually any states that have really radical abortion laws, those laws are unconstitutional because they deny unborn children equal protection and due process under the law, which they're entitled to by the 14th Amendment because they're American citizens of human beings. That's not going to happen. But but what? It, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it, that's like a really, really best case scenario. And right. I think that's the chances of that are, are um, 
not high. Okay, we've look look John Henry. We've got Justices Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor. We know that they're solidly on the left. We know they're going to side with abortion. Roberts is almost certainly to also side with them. Okay, that leaves us with Alito and Thomas, who we know are going to side on side with life. And then the three Trump nominees, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett. I think Kavanaugh is going to be the swing vote here. Barrett and Gorsuch are probably pretty likely to side um, with life, just given their records. But Kavanaugh has kind of become the new John Roberts or the new Kennedy on the court. And I think that he, the, the liberal justices are really going to be trying to sway him. And he, which way Kavanaugh goes will be really telling. And this is kind of a test for all of Trump's Supreme Court justices, right? This is their true test. Trump said he would appoint pro-life justices. Okay, let's see it. And we, I just hope everyone watching can just pray for these justices that they make the right decision, that they uphold the dignity of these human beings, that they say there is no right in American law to kill an unborn child. Yeah, I, I think it's hugely important to to pray for them because in doing that, you're praying for America right now. You're also praying for their very souls because this kind of a yeah. decision really impinges upon them personally uh, in, in a very real way. Um, what are some of the other possibilities? You mentioned a whole bunch of possibilities that could happen there. Um, what do you think is the most realistic possibility in terms of the outcome of, uh, of this decision. First of all, we should lay out that this isn't going to get decided tomorrow or anytime, even within the next year. Tell us first about that. Where Where is this at? When is this going to take place? So the Supreme Court will hear this case in their next term, um, which will be in the fall, most likely, or in, in early 2022. So they, they'll hear it sometime in any anywhere from, I don't know, five to 10 months from now. And the Supreme Court usually uh, releases their most controversial decisions late in the term, in June. Okay, that's when we get, that's when we've gotten abortion-related decisions in the past. That's when we got Obergefell. So it's very likely that we will learn the outcome of this case in June 2022, so just over a year from now. And of course, uh, when the oral arguments are heard, uh, which I don't think a date has been set yet, Whenever those oral arguments are heard, they will be very closely analyzed, you know, not only by LifeSite, but also by all court observers, because this is such an important case and such a controversial uh, hot button issue, if you will. Another scenario, which is perhaps more likely, uh, is still a good-ish scenario. That would be the court says, the court upholds Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban and says um, states can enact abortion bans before so-called viability. And so we're going to allow this Mississippi law to be upheld and, and to stay to stay as the law. And states may enact abortion prohibitions, not just restrictions, not just, you know, you have to have a 48-hour waiting period, but actual prohibitions. You cannot kill a baby after this time. Likely in this scenario, they would still sort of uphold this very general right to abortion in the constitution but still but that le- right would be much more limited uh than it is now and then a worst case scenario would simply be that they say this law is unconstitutional and um that would you know set the pro life movement back surely because it would allow abortion on demand to essentially continue uh in the US and it's it's important that the court is a lot of times when the court takes these cases, 
They can actually decide that they're only going to hear one really technical aspect of the law, and that's not really what's happening here. So they have, they will have to rule, is this 15-week ban allowed to remain in place in Mississippi? I think, though, one of the most important takeaways, particularly for us, for our readership, is it's time to brush up on your pro-life apologetics, because this is finally going to enter the mainstream discussion in a big way. Uh, we're going to be pushing that at LifeSite, but uh, it's going to be pushed through the mainstream media. So we really need to be on top of our arguments in favor of life. And we also, John Henry, need to not be timid and we need to go on the offense, okay? We need to start talking about how we want to ban all abortions. I support any limits on abortion, okay? I support a late-term abortion ban. I support the heartbeat bill. I support a 15-week abortion ban. But this is our, this is an opportunity for the court to actually fundamentally change the landscape of abortion in America and say that there are going to be severe limits and severe uh, prohibitions on it. So I don't think we need to be focusing our talking points only on late-term abortion. This isn't really about late-term abortion. It's about 15-week abortions. That's, you know, beginning of second trimester abortions. And there's nothing wrong with saying we want to end all abortions because every single abortion, no matter how young the child is, ends the life of a whole distinct living human being with its own unique DNA, own, his own fingerprints. And th this is a point that I, I think we really need to hammer home. And we can't just shy away from this. This is about do we want, as a country, do we want abortion to be legal? What is abortion? What does an abortion do? Well, an abortion, unfortunately... In addition to hurting the mother, an abortion kills a whole distinct living human being. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, Claire, because I think there is a difficulty with this particular piece of legislation because it's not what it should be. It's not all abortions are wrong. I think for real pro-life activists, the easiest argument to make, the only one that makes any real sense, is a baby is a baby is a baby from conception to natural death. We have to protect people. And therefore, this arguing for a 15-week ban <clears throat> um, makes much less sense. In fact, it, it somehow goes against the grain, at least for pro-lifers. It's probably an easier argument to make, for sure, for the general public. But nonetheless, um, I, I loved what you said about being totally free to argue the full enchilada, to argue what only makes sense, the protection of life from conception. Our messaging around this can be a little bit uh, jumbled, be, you know, because of this very issue. The 15-week the ban was enough to challenge Roe, right? Because Roe says that you cannot limit abortions uh, pre-viability. And so at least we got a ban that was based on, you know, a, a time limit in pregnancy that was before so-called viability. Absolutely. But I think here the role of the pro-life movement will be to, as you said, um, give our best arguments to this using the fact that this is going to be in the media now for about a year, over a year, um, and use that at every opportunity to defend life. We have a, a great opportunity here. And it's, it's also a challenge, a challenge for uh, those who are pro-life to bone up on their arguments, to be ready to defend uh, the truth on life uh, with all of their, you know, with all of their neighbors and not, not to be afraid to really embrace this opportunity. We need to be able to talk about the hard issues too, you know, talk about abortion and cases of rape and these, these terrible tragedies but that these tragedies are not fixed by abortion. 
um, abortion only makes problems worse, and um, and that every every child, even a child with uh, severe disability, is still a human being and a human being worthy and deserving of protection. Now, the Mississippi law has an exception for babies with severe abnormalities. I think so, some sort of there's some sort of limited exception in the Mississippi law. So it'll be really interesting to see how the Supreme Court handles that. Well, Claire, thank you for that. I want to just plug one resource for those hard questions, because that always comes up. The very first question always when when you're talking about abortion, trying to defend life, it's what about rape and incest? It's it's almost a sine qua non of the argument. So I would encourage people to, LifeSite is full of argumentation on that, but check out Save the One. Uh, Rebecca Kiesling was conceived herself. Uh, She was conceived in rape. Uh, and uh, she is a beautiful lawyer for a, 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 and, and a defender of the right to life for the unborn, and particularly uh, those children conceived in those very difficult circumstances. Yes, Rebecca Kiesling is wonderful. That's that's an amazing organization, and um, there are we we have a lot of information about this too on our resource tab, Life Facts. So you can go to that and see all the facts about abortion, how an abortion is done what it does to the baby's body, and um, and learn more about apologetics there too. And, and of course, John Henry, as you know, we're reporting every day on some of the work that other pro-life organizations do, uh, you know, different apologetics groups. So there are, there's so much on LifeSite that our readers can use to educate themselves. Amen. Claire Chrétien, thank you for being with us on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. Thanks, John Henry. God bless you and God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we are communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to LifeSiteNews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe, and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, And we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to LifeSiteNews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. 
We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parlor, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.